morning, everybody. <clears throat> yeah, I won't kick that over. Uh, we're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 1. To all the uh, mothers here today, happy Mother's Day. To my mama, happy Mother's Day, mama. I don't think I've ever gotten to preach on a Mother's Day and just kind of brag on my mama. We're alive because of my mama. <clears throat> Me and my brother were idiots. Me and my brother Nathan usually had the plans. We just used Jonathan. So we were watching that King of Kings the other day, and I was like, see this, Shannon? This is the reason why we put John on the cross. So I've never seen my mom run so fast. <clears throat> Good to see Elena here. I, I love Elena. She always comes up and says hey to me. I thought, where's Elena? Is she going to be here today? Glad to have my best friend Jonathan here today and my Uncle Stephen. Uh, I got my friend Cal and his, uh, his grandson, Kobe, here. We don't really like Kobe, but I'm glad Cal's here. <laughs> No, Kobe was one of my teams. He's used to me messing with me. He's one of my, you know, he really was. He was one of my best teams, too. So he was the one I told you about. We, I used to go to uh, South Acres, and I'd preach. And he wasn't in my youth group, but he'd come to first priority. And I would leave, and I'd tell Shannon, I'm like, man, I wish he'd come to my, my youth group. And then he, then he did, and then I found out he was a lost guy, and he got saved at camp. Hallelujah. So I'm glad he's here. Uh, I picked First Samuel, uh, I believe the Lord was leading me, I thought, well, I had this message, I was going to preach this different message, and I found out it was Mother's Day, I was like, well, I need to preach something on mothers. And the Lord gave me this passage, I feel like we preach on Mary a lot, a lot of people talk about Sarah, but this specific passage, usually when we preach out of this as, as pastors and as preachers, we talk about Samuel, and the beginning of Samuel, but I want to pay close attention to today is Hannah. Now, there's a first slide, Alicia, I told her I was going to give her the cue. If you look at this first slide, I want to, to, to cover this. This particular picture hung in my grandparents' house right above their kitchen table. They had this table where we'd come and we'd eat our meals. You remember that, Mom and Dad? They had this picture up there. And I remember asking Mama and stuff, like, what's he doing? She's like, well, he's praying over his food. And it was like a reminder for us to pray and give thanks of what God has given us. And so my, my grandmother, and believe it or not, I was thinking about this as I began to think about my mamma. I love my mamma. And you know what? She was not the most probably educated person, but there was one thing about mamma. I knew mamma prayed for her kids and her grandkids. She loved us. She had plenty of, uh, of grandkids and kids come back home and live with her, and it was never a bother. She always let us. In fact, when I, me and my parents, we were in between homes. She let us come in. We were always welcome at mamma's house. And one thing that really stuck with me is I used to, we used to get up in the morning really early and wake them up because that's what grandkids do. And we go and we lay in there between grandma and, or mama and papa and we would talk to her. And I remember asking mama about Bible and she would said she would read through the Bible once a year. And I thought, man, that's cool. I want to do that one day. Grandparents have a big influence. Grandmas have big influences on their grandkids. My mom. As Jonathan said, there were times when my dad couldn't be there and mama had to be the spiritual leader. And I knew that my mama prayed and that my mom, my mom to this day still tries to read through the Bible once a year, just like her mama. Ladies, we need godly women in our country. Sometimes a godly woman's all, all a boy and a, a daughter's got. And what you're going to see here is, is the beginning of the kingdom of Israel began not with some man but with a praying mother. Look here at 1 Samuel chapter 1. The Bible says, Now there was a certain man of Ramathim 
Zophim of the Mount Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jerom, the son of, of Eliahu, the son of Toa, the son of Zoph, an Ephrathite. And he had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other, Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. And this man went up out of the city yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophani and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. And when the time was that Elkanah offered, he gave to Penina, his wife, and to all her sons and her daughters, portions. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah, but the Lord had shut up her womb. And her adversary also provoked her. Penina would come and provoke her for to make her fret because the Lord had shut up her womb. And as he did so year by year, so see, this was not just a weekly thing. This was a year by year thing. When she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her. Therefore, she wept and did not eat. Then said Elkanah, her husband to her, Hannah, why weepest thou? And why eatest thou not? And why is thy heart grieved? Am not I better to thee than ten sons? So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh and after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by the post of the temple of the Lord. And she was, uh, she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. Hannah is up at the tabernacle and she is praying and she's weeping as she is praying. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thy handmaid and remember me, and not forget thy handmaid, but will give unto thy handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. And it came to pass, as she continued praying before the Lord, that Eli marked her mouth. So Hannah, she spake in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she, Eli thought she had uh, been drunken. And Eli said unto her, How long wilt thou be drunken? Put away thy wine from thee. And Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Count not thy handmaid for a daughter of Belial, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. And she said, Let thy handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. And they rose up in the morning early and worshipped before the Lord and returned and came to their house to Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah his wife, and the Lord remembered her. Wherefore it came to pass when the time was about after Hannah had conceived that she bare a son and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked him of the Lord. And the man Elkanah... And all his house went up to, the offer, to offer unto the Lord yearly sacrifice and his vow. But Hannah went not up, for she said unto her husband, I will not go up until the child be weaned, and then I will bring him, that he may appear before the Lord, and there abide forever. Let us pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, I pray, God, and ask you right now, Lord, for grace and mercy. Lord, that you will... Help me remember the things, God, that you have put in my heart for this message, Father. God, that you will open the hearts up of not just the mothers here, Lord, but of the, of the young ladies in the room, God, of the young men and the older men, Father, that we will all see, God, that we play an important part in a family to be leaders and guides in the home, God, that you will begin to prepare those, Father, who may be getting ready, Lord, to get married 
or in a relationship, Father, that you will prepare our hearts as, as mothers and fathers to raise this next generation, to fear you, Lord, that we may see this nation come back once more, God, to a place of worship, and that you will be the head, God, that we will not look for political leaders to lead us, but, Father, that we will look to be led by you, Father, and the Holy Spirit. Just give me the words to say, Father, hide me behind the cross, Lord. May they not see me, but see Jesus this morning. I pray, Father, in a crowd this big, that maybe there's a soul here, Father, and they, they've been playing church for a while, but they do not have a relationship with Jesus. They're religious, but no relationship. I pray today would be the day of their salvation. I pray, Father, for the lost, God, that you will save them this morning. I pray for the Christian, God, who's not living for you, that you'll revive them, God, for only you can. Just give me the words to say. Speak through me, Father. We love you and we look forward to what you're going to do. May your Holy Spirit have his way and his will in this service today. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. <clears throat> All right, so I have this here. It says, uh, Robert Bergen said this. He says, here the Lord gives barren and humiliated Hannah a son in answer to her prayer. The story of Hannah presents a sharp contrast with that of Deborah, another significant woman of Ephraim from the period of Judges. Deborah's career, it says, impacted Israel, the Israelite society through political clout, judicial leadership, and prophetic activities. Hannah's effect on Israelite society came to the gentle force of faith and motherhood. Through Hannah, the point is made that women of faith played a legitimate and even formative role in shaping Israel's history. Hannah's faith turned the tide of the period of the judges by producing a transitional figure, Samuel. It's not just Hannah who had something to do. There are so many women of the Bible who did great things for God. I think of Esther, one of my favorite things. Mordecai comes to Esther and Esther's put in a place of leadership. And he says, Esther, you have to do this for such a time as this. We need your leadership. Sometimes, ladies, men aren't acting like men today, and sometimes it's up to you to be the spiritual leader in your home. Maybe you came here today. Maybe your husband's not saved. Guess what? You have an opportunity to live a Christian life and show your husband what a Christian truly is. I used to tell my teenagers this. So many of my teenagers, their parents put them on a bus in the morning and they came to church with me and they stayed home. I said, you have a responsibility, uh, young ladies and young men to be that spiritual leader in your home. We, can't, we don't always have to preach Jesus with our lips. The best Bible people can read is the life that we lead. Hannah was a Christian. Hannah was a believer. Her adversary, her, his, her husband's other uh, wife would come up and she would chide at her year after year. And I was thinking about this about Penina, okay? We look at him, we, um, I mean, that's, this is how I think when I read the Bible. You might not do this. I'm like, what a dirty dog. The girl can't have children and you're, and you're bashing her. But I was talking to my wife, she, and I said, you know, it's, it's kind of funny. We look at her kind of down on her. But this woman was probably married second after Hannah, after they found out the Lord had shut up her womb. Penina had all these children for her husband. But he loved Hannah. What an awful relationship. Does that not show you that the, that is not what God meant from the beginning? He said he made them male and female, and they too shall come together and be one flesh. Church, I, I promise you right now they're, they're okaying uh, homosexual marriage in our country, and you know what's next? They're going to make it where you can marry as many people as you want. Eventually, I mean, this is far-fetched. You might be able to marry an animal. They have completely taken the word of God and thrown it out. 
Who's going to teach this generation if it's not the moms and dads in the room and in the church? Our society, and I, I've always told my young people, the people I preach to, I, the, the, the society that we live in is a reflection of how parents are raising their children. I love that I had a mother that I knew prayed for me, a grandmother that I knew prayed for me. I know I had, I had a dad and I had a grandfather, but you know what? Sometimes, lady, it is up to you to be a spiritual leader. We see this trial of Hannah. Look in verse number 2. Okay, it says that, uh, and, he t- and he had two wives, the name of one was Hannah, and the name of the other, it says, was Penina. And Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. And this man went up, he says, of the, of the city yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni, and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. Why does the Bible share these two men right there? You ever wondered that? It just kind of sticks out like a sore thumb. He's just showing you that there are these two men there. You know why? Because the place of God was becoming a mockery. These men had these women come into the tabernacle and they were sleeping with them. They were doing awful things in the house of God. And yet you see that Elkinah and Hannah and Penina continually year by year, even though the church is corrupt, they continue to go to the tabernacle and do the worship because they can't control what, how bad the priests are. All they can control is their own worship. We're talking about, uh, your, your music director up here was talking about your pastor, and I was praying for him. I've been thinking about Brother Marvin. You know why? Because sometimes your pastor needs your prayer. If you look through history, you look at Charles Spurgeon and, and all these different preachers who've come before us, a lot of them suffered with health issues and a lot of affliction in their life. Think about Paul, he was given a thorn in the flesh. And he says, Lord, you, you gave this thorn in the flesh that through my weakness he is made strong. Sometimes God puts your preacher through trials and the church needs to pray for him. That by your faith, God can do, do something marvelous and something great, something praiseworthy. Hannah means grace or gracious. If you notice that she's being chided at for not having children, Hannah never turns to Penina and says, you dirty dog, why are you talking to me like that? She kept her silent. She was gracious and she just continued on. It, it, it was hurting her, but she didn't lash back. Sometimes people say ugly things. But if I've learned nothing as a Christian, you know what? Hurting people hurt people. I believe Penina was, was hurting and that's why she was attacking Hannah. Sometimes the best thing that we can do when people are being ugly and angry at us is keep our mouth closed. Think about Jesus when they spit on him. He, just, he was quiet. Hannah was the first wife. Penina was no doubt the second. Hannah could not bear children, so a lot of times the man would take another wife so he could have seed. It was kind of looked down on not to have children in those days. And you see, as I was talking, I know I kind of uh, started chasing rabbit there, but uh, 1 Samuel, in 1 Samuel 2, 12, you'll see a little bit of why he, he mentions the two priests, Hophni and Phinehas here. If you'll turn over to 1, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse number 12, it says, Now the sons of Eli were sons of Belial. They knew not the Lord. Now Eli was very old and heard all that his sons did unto all Israel and how they lay with the women that assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And he said unto them, Why do you such things? For I hear of your evil dealings by all this people. Nay, my sons, for it is, not good, it is no good report that I hear. Ye make the Lord's people to transgress. If one man sin against another, the judge shall judge him. But if a man sin against the Lord, who shall entreat for him? 
Notwithstanding, they hearkened not unto the voice of their father because the Lord would slay them. The judge of, of, of Hophni and Phinehas, since Eli wasn't doing his duty as a father, God would judge them. In fact, Eli would raise up the judge Samuel to judge him. He would be raising the man that would give the prophecy. And God shows it here because I believe that God wanted to show you the state that Israel was in. They were getting ready to turn their back on God. And God used this woman, Hannah, who was praying in order to bring this man into the world to be this last judge, to be this new prophet, to be this new priest in the, in the stead of Eli. Look in verse number 5 of, of uh, 1 Samuel chapter 1. And I want you to see something here. In fact, uh, I usually underline things in my Bible. I was sitting there today and I had a lot of coffee. I couldn't tell if it was nerves or coffee and I was trying to underline something. I was going, it's like, Shannon, I don't know which one it is. But it says, but Hannah gave a worthy portion for he loved Hannah, but the Lord had shut up her womb. Hannah was not barren because of something of her husband or because of something that was wrong with her. Hannah was, was barren because the Lord wasn't giving her children. And I think about how we are. Maybe, maybe you've had problems in the past, ladies, of having children or, 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 or fathers or producing children. You know what? God is the giver of life. And you hear this whole thing about abortion, how there's all these different stipulants, like, well, what if, this, what if this happened to the mother, or what if this, you know what? God is the giver of life. It's never an accident when a woman gets pregnant. God's not looking down and going, oh, oh my goodness, she's pregnant. Oh, I wonder what she's going to do with it. God is the giver of life. He says it right there. God shut up Hannah's womb because he was going to get glory out of Hannah's life. And you could take this anywhere in James 1, 2 through 3. One of my favorite verses, he says, Brother, he says, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptation, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. God might be ready to do something in you. You're just not ready yet. He wanted Hannah humbled before him first, realizing who God is. He is the giver of life. Jeremiah 1.5, talking again about how God knows. The prophet Jeremiah says, Before I formed thee in the belly, he says, I knew thee, and before thou camest forth out of the womb, he said, I sanctified thee. In other words, I set thee apart for a specific purpose, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Before you were ever born, Jeremiah, I knew who you were, and I had already ordained you a prophet. That's a powerful God, isn't it? There in Psalms uh, 139.13, it says, for thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee. He says, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are the works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrote in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect and in thy book, all my members were written, which is continuous, were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. God knows who you are. And I don't want to go a little further, not just to you mothers, but to everybody. Listen, God has a specific purpose for each and every Christian in this room. There is a ministry for you. There is a purpose for you. You don't have to be a preacher to glorify God. You can be a witness in your workplace, in your school, in your home. God has his own mission field for you. We need missionaries right now, not over in Africa, Afghanistan. We need missionaries in America. The greatest kept secret is the church of God. 
Christians have become barren. We are to produce fruit, and we are not. And guess how it begins, church? Right here at this altar in prayer. Prayer is one of the most important things that the Christian has, and we do not utilize it. We see her adversary provoked her, and it made me think as Christians how this relates to us. In, in 1 Peter 5 eight, I, I used to quote this if I had a nightmare or, or if something was going on in my life. I thought, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, he calls Penina her adversary. Your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. Sometimes the worst people who cross judgment and are ugly to people are Christians to other Christians. Satan can even use us if we let him, if we're not in the word, if we're not following the Lord like we need to. Psalm 42, 3 says, My tears have been my meat day and night while they continually say unto me, Where is thy God? You have a problem? Maybe you suffered through cancer. Maybe there's, there's other problems and trials in your life. And you're having problems. You know what most Christians do? I huh, wonder what he did wrong. Don't we do that? Remember the blind man? He says, who sinned? Did this man sin or his parents? He said, neither one of them. He said, this happened so that God would receive the glory. It wasn't Hannah was a, a, a sinful woman. In fact, she was a very gracious woman taking this stuff. It was the fact that God was wanting to show his work through her. It goes back to one of my favorite verses. Me and my dad quote it back and forth all the time. It is God which worketh in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. God wanted to do something through Hannah. Elkanah tries to comfort Hannah. Tony Evans said the commonly held view of childlessness in ancient Israel was that it was a curse from God. Hannah had to bear the bitter taunting of Penina. The related agony didn't last for a few months, but instead went on year after year as she had child after child in spite of Elkanah's attempts to comfort his favorite wife. Matthew Henry said Elkanah loved his wife. Nevertheless, from being barren, Christ loves his church, notwithstanding her infirmities, her barrenness, and so want men to love their wives. That reminds me of Ephesians 5, 25, when it says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ hath loved the church and gave himself for it. God knew that the church one day would be stagnant and barren and not producing fruit. And you know what? He loved you and died for you anyways. We just had revival here. I got to come hear Brother Kyle one night. It was so awesome. I could tell as he got up there, he had a heart for people. At one time, I had gotten to where I was hurt, and I kind of quit doing things that I knew that I needed to do, and believe it or not, your stinking music director was sitting next to me one day and said, I've been worried about you. I thought, why are you worried about me? He said, you don't witness like you used to. And I got very convicted. And God used your music director, believe it or not, to convict his own brother. Church, it is up to us to be a witness and a testimony for Jesus. Where else are they going to look if not to the church of God? It's not a social club. This is a, a rally where we get together and we pump each other up to go win the world for Jesus. And it's not just the men, ladies. It's your job too. Next we see the sorrow and petition of Hannah in verses 9 through 16. And, and there's a little note here I, I was noticing. Eli the priest is sitting in the door of the tabernacle. Did you ever read through Leviticus and Exodus where they're building the tabernacle and getting everything ready? Have you ever found in the furniture of the tabernacle a chair or a stool? 
Why? Because God didn't want the church doing this. Because we can go home now. I guess we're done. That's not, there was no, there was nothing. He wanted those priests continually moving, working, making sure the candle, uh, the, 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 the candlestick was filled, making sure the showbread was fresh, making sure that they were doing the sacrifices right and, and, and cleansing the temple and doing the things that they were supposed to. There was no seat. And here Eli, his two sons, Hophani and Phinehas, are in the tabernacle, sleeping with women, committing fornications, eating portions that they're not supposed to, that belong to God, and he's sitting in the door of the tabernacle. He wasn't doing his job, not just as a man, but as a priest. He sat in the door. And he looks out and he sees Hannah. Look at verse 10. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. One of my favorite preachers I've ever heard is Johnny Pope. I can remember sitting at Shady Grove, close to the back row, one time and he came and preached. He's a long-winded preacher. I'm sorry if that's me. But long-winded preacher, and he was preaching one day, and I was sitting there. I thought, man, I wish this dude would shut up. Eventually, I got my life right, and you know what? He became one of my favorites because he preached from the Word of God. And he, and he shared a picture after his mama died. And there was a picture of his mama. He said he can remember being a child and waking up, and he said he'd get up in the morning, get ready to put his shoes on, and he says his shoes would be wet because his mama had got up in the middle of the night and got over his shoes and prayed that God would use her son. And somebody painted a painting for him of his mother crying over his shoes. Here Hannah was crying for a son that she was willing to give to the Lord. It made me think of Exodus 32, 31. This portion of scripture has something no other scripture has. You'll see dashes in your Bible as the, as the person who was printing it was cutting through, but this actually records a dash in Scripture. Moses is crying to God in Exodus 32, 31. It says that Moses returned to the Lord and said, Oh, this people have sinned a great sin and have made them gods of gold. Yet now, if thou wilt forgive their sin, and there's a pause there. Why do you think God put a dash there? You know what I think, ladies and gentlemen? I think as Moses was praying, he went, and began to cry for his people Israel. He says, And if not, blot me, I pray thee, out of thy book which is, thou hast written. Here Hannah is praying. No words are coming out because she believes that God can hear her in her heart. C.S. Lewis said, Pray without, Praying without words is best. Martin Luther said, To be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than it is to be alive without breathing. Micah 7, 7 says, Therefore I will look unto the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. The preacher who was in prison for preaching the gospel of Jesus. John Bunyan said, In prayer it is better to have a heart without words than words without a heart. Billy Sunday said, If you are a stranger to prayer, you are a stranger to the greatest source of power known to human beings. It kills me today to remember when I was a kid and watching the revivals across America. I believe I lived through a time where there were some great preachers and I'd see the altars flooded with people. And you know what? We don't do it anymore. Are we too prideful to get on our knees and ask the Lord for something? Mamas, do you have some sons or daughters that you know are lost? What better place to take it than to the Lord in prayer? And not just here at the church, but in your, heart, in your family altar at the house. 
Father's the same. You have some sons that aren't living right. They're not saved. Who's going to pray for them if mom and dad won't? And I'm not talking about meaningless prayer. God save so and so and amen. I'm talking about begging the Lord. Crying, weeping. Show God your heart for them. There are some kids that don't have good parents who are saved. Who's going to pray for them? Church, we, we, we overlook one of the greatest powers, I believe, which is prayer. Ecclesiastes 5, 5 says, Better that thou shouldest not vow than to vow and not pay. She made a vow and she kept it. I can't tell you how many times I had somebody come to me and they were like, I'm just going to get my life or I'm going to do good. And God bails them out of that, that situation that they got themselves in and they go right back to their sin. Hannah didn't. Hannah was a woman of her word and she kept it. She said he would be a Nazarite. If you know that, you'd have to look at Numbers 6, 1 through 21. It gives the whole portion. He could not be next to anything dead. He could never drink of the vine. He, this was a lifelong Nazarite vow. And, if, and uh, he could not cut his hair. A razor could not come on his hair. You see here, she continued. And I know I'm kind of flying through this. So I want to make sure I, I got to this portion, okay? Matthew 26, 38. If you want to turn there, we'll have it on the screen if you want to read it there. Matthew 26, 38. You see Hannah continuing in prayer. Look what Matthew says. Then said he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful even to, unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And he cometh unto his disciples, and he findeth them asleep, and saith unto Peter, What? Could you, watch, could you not watch with me one hour, Peter? Church, I believe that God's saying to us today, what? Could you not watch with me one hour? Can you not give a little bit of time to me? We say God's important to us. How much time do you spend with God a day? I don't believe the church is spending the time with God that we need to. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Are we searching for the word? Are we praying that God will do something in our lives? Next you see there in verse number 14, her, her plea to the priest. He says, And Eli said unto her, How long will thou be drunk and put away thy wine from thee? And you have to wonder why all of a sudden did he jump to that conclusion and think that she was drunk? Maybe the women were coming to the house of God knowing that it was not a place of worship, but a place of sin because of the two evil priests. And he automatically assumed that she's this, this, this drunken. And Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Count not thy handmaid a daughter of Belial, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken, have I spoken hitherto. Eli thought she was drunk, and it made me think of that verse in Ephesians 5.18 where he says, And be not drunk where it is in excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. You don't have to be an alcoholic not to be filled with the Holy Spirit. What are you filling your life with? Is it godly or is it worldly? It makes a difference. He's saying, don't be drunk with, the, with, with alcohol. Don't be drunk with the things of this world, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need some more Christians who are going to be spiritually filled and spiritually led. And it's not going to happen unless we give our lives over to God. She says, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. 
dejected and, and discomposed. And that, that is the reason I do not look as other people. She says, my eyes are red, not with wine, but with weeping. And this last part I want to get to, and I'll, I'll close with this, okay? Look at Genesis chapter 32, verse 24. <coughs> we're going to go there, and then we're going to flip over to Hosea 12. Uh, if you want to hold your, uh, flip over to Genesis and hold your place there. Genesis 32. Verse number 24. And then Hosea chapter 12. I always love this part where Jacob is wrestling with the angel. But I'm, it was sometimes like, I wonder what that looked like, right? And then as I was studying uh, this week, I saw this in Hosea 12, and I think it sheds a little bit of light on that. But it's Hosea 12, 3 through 5, okay? When you get it, say amen. To you. Well, I'm going to start reading Genesis. Genesis 32, 24 says, And Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him unto the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of, thighs, uh, of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. I don't know if you've ever had anything come out of place, but it's the most worst pain you can ever experience. And he said, let me go, for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go except you bless me. See, Jacob was scared of his brother who was coming. He had to come up and, I mean, he was going to come over and, and show him what it was to be a big brother. That's what he thought. And he was afraid of Esau, because Esau said he'd kill him. So he began to pray. And he said unto him, what is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel, for as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. And Jacob asked him and said, Tell me, I pray thee thy name. And he said, Wherefore is it that thou dost ask after my name? And he blessed him there, and Jacob called the name of that place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. It's believed that Jacob wrestled with Jesus that night, and he prevailed with him. He knocked his leg out of place. Man, he wrestled, but he hung on, and he prevailed because he would not let go unless he blesses him. Now look at Hosea, chapter 12, verse number 3. I didn't give that to you, Alicia, because I didn't have it at the time. The Lord kind of showed me this last night. He took his brother by the heel in the womb. Jacob grabbed Esau's heel, if you, if you know the story of Jacob. By his strength he had power with God, verse 4. Yea, he had power over the angel and prevailed. He wept and made supplication unto him. He found him in Bethel, and there he spake with us. Even the Lord of hosts, the Lord is, is his memorial. He wept in prayer because of fear. And God granted him the blessing. Church, I think one of the things that lacks in the church of God are Christians weeping in prayer. When was the last time something hurt you so bad and you wept for it? There's just something great about coming through the, to the throne of God. If nobody else can help, when all seems hopeless, when there's no more answers, why don't we go to the Lord? He will hear us. God can do a work at Bethany Baptist Church. God can do a work in Joshua Lewis, in Stevie Lewis. Stephen Raymond, Cal Hassel, Brother and Miss Duvall. He can do a work in your life. 
It doesn't matter who you are and what you've done. His grace is enough. Christians, we have great power, I believe, with God. We just don't utilize it. Are we praying for our children, our friends, and our family? Are we praying for this country? I'm, I'm guilty of it, just like you are, of getting into the politics and looking at all the things going on. But I'm telling you, the secret is praying. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman availeth much. I believe God wants us to be people of prayer. You might be here today and you might not know Jesus. But you know what? I promise you. Somebody loves you and somebody's praying for you. And they're waiting for that one instant where you feel that conviction of God and you're willing to turn. I don't know what holds you back. It could be pride. It could be selfishness. Hey, listen, it could just be fear in itself. But you know what? God loves you. The Bible says that God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. God doesn't want you in fear. Satan does. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, this is the time. Someone might have invited you because they've been praying for you and they want you to come to know Jesus. Don't leave here today without doing it. In a minute, the musicians, I'm going to pray. The musicians are going to come up and we're going to have an invitation. Christians, I invite you to come down here and pray. If you need to talk to somebody, I know your pastor's not here. If you need to know how you can know for sure if you died today, you'd go to heaven. Listen, I promise, I'm not lying to you. I can take the Bible and I can show you how you can know for sure. Someone did it for me and I would love to do that for you. But don't leave here today. I'm going to ask everyone to stand with head bowed, eyes closed. Please, nobody looking around. Moms and dads, I just want to encourage you today. Maybe you have a, a loved one you know that is not saved, but you want them to. This is for you. Let's pray for our children that we can raise up the next generation to reach this world for the gospel of Jesus Christ. That God will do a work not just in our families, but in our church, in our city, our state, our country. It has to start somewhere. Why not with you? Maybe you're here this morning and you're not sure if you died right now, you would go to heaven. But you want to. You don't want to live in fear anymore. You're ready to give it over to the Lord. You know what? It's this easy. Now, there's no magical prayer to do this, church. If, you're, if you are the individual and you're feeling like God's speaking to you and you're saying, that's me, I don't know, Brother Josh, I don't know if I'm going to be saved. It, it's this easy. But you mean these things in your heart, you just say something like, Lord... Forgive me of my sins. Lord, I want to repent of my sins and turn to you, Lord. I ask you right now, God, to forgive me, and I want to put my faith and my trust in you. Save me, Lord. In the name of Jesus, I pray, amen. Everyone keep your head bowed, eyes closed. Listen, if you said that this morning, the Bible says, whosoever believeth in me should not be ashamed. If that's you, I want to, I want to invite you to do something. I'm going to be standing right down here. Just come over here and just tell me. and Say, Brother Josh, I want you to pray with me. I accepted Christ today. Now, church, I'm going to pray, and then we'll have our invitation. Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for this day. I ask you, God, Lord, that you will be with the people here. May we be mothers and fathers, grandparents, men and women of prayer, Lord, and seek your face. Do a great work here, Lord, in Bethany Baptist, that we may take the gospel beyond these doors and preach it to a lost and dying world. 
It has to start somewhere, Lord. Why not with me? Use me, Father, for your honor and your glory as we've experienced revival this past week, Lord. I pray, God, that it would not just be a word, Father, but it would be an action in your church that we truly, Lord, would be revived and hear your, hear your word, Father, and apply it to our lives. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Here we are, church. The altars are open. I invite you to come.